Welcome to Larry Reedy's America. Uh, tonight's guest, we have Drs. John and Dr. Richard Gracebeer. And uh, without further ado, welcome to the podcast. And we're going to start off with, uh, uh, by the way, John is the father and Richie is the son. So, uh, John, let's start off with you. Where were you born? Uh, grade school, high school, college, pre-med, such. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, th- thanks for uh, inviting us here. We're looking forward to this. So uh, I was born in Belgium, a small country in Europe, uh, just north of France. And uh, at the time, my dad was a kind of a minor league race car driver. And uh, I was born to my, my sister. And he just uh, kind of had a wild hair to come to North America to become a mechanic. He was a mechanic but and racing, and he was always breaking down. So he got pretty uh, adept at fixing cars, mainly British cars. So uh, when I was two, uh, we moved uh, to Canada. And uh, over the next few years, he was able to have, open his own repair shop. And so uh, I, I kind of grew up. You know, being you know in the shop, changing oil and yeah. tires. part of Canada. Um, so Ontario. Um, okay. So just kind of south of Ottawa, kind of rural Ontario. Mm-hmm. And then uh, did all my schooling there until you know end of high school, and then uh, went to a town called Kingston, which is uh, kind of where the Lake Ontario becomes the Saint Lawrence River. Mm-hmm. And uh, the college there is called Queen's University. And I did my undergrad uh, in science and, and medical school um, there. And then afterwards, uh, did my residency. Okay, so you did your internship and residency at all the same place? All the same place, 10 okay. years, yep. Okay, we're going to take a break. Richard, your turn. You, I presume, were born in So, yeah, I was born in Kingston. Well, I guess uh, Dad was in uh, medical school. Uh, we moved to the States when I was four years old, and I uh, did my grade school here at uh, Batesville. I was actually briefly homeschooled from fourth grade to high school, then ninth grade through high school at Batesville High School, and then I did my undergrad at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana, medical school at Marion University in Indianapolis, and did my residency at TriHealth over in Cincinnati, and now moved back here to hometown Batesville. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize Marion had a medical school because when our one daughter went to Marion, and uh, I had two of the girls went to IU, and my one daughter said the one class she never met her professor, and the class was held in auditorium. And uh, Donna, the one that was at Marion, uh, was home one weekend and she said yeah I was having a problem with such and such a class and, but I talked to the professor afterwards I said oh, you actually talked to a professor she says yeah I said how many's in your class she said three mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, and I I mean it's got great education it's a it's a great school okay why did you John decide mm-hmm. to move Batesville. What what possessed you to come from Canada, or did you go someplace else first? Yeah, no. Uh, the intention was after residency actually to stay in Kingston. We had developed a great relationship with a doctor who I considered a mentor, 
And uh, at the time, we, like Richie said, we had uh, you know the boys in medical school, and we just had our daughter uh, during residency. So at the time, we had three children under three finishing up residency. And we we're all set to go. Um, in our class, there was 25 family medical residents um, all set to graduate. And around that time, it gets a little complicated because the Canadian healthcare system is a little bit different than the American in that it's not federally run, it's run at the local level, so instead of the state, it's more provincial. And so, as we're graduating, the leader of the province, who we call the premier, is kind of like the governor yeah. equivalent, said that in order to participate in the government healthcare program, we would have to go where we are assigned. So we had three children, or three, um, he was really focused on you know, getting um, the very far north, um, you know, medical care, which is fine, but with three kids under three, we said, no, that's yeah. not, not a great idea. So we visited Batesville, where uh, my wife's parents had just located, and kind of fell in love with the Norman Rockwell-type setup. And uh, so myself and another said, you know, we're, at, we're, we're leaving Canada, we're going to the States. The next year of the 25, I think the vast majority left for the States. And then the, the leader said, oh, I screwed up, you know, I'm not gonna force people to go where they don't want to go. Um, but for us, it was too late, we, we made a home here. Is, is it true that in, in Canada, if you have a non, non-threatening or non-life-threatening uh, situation, if you want to have a knee replaced, you might wait eight, nine months? Oh, that, that's a short wait. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I mean, we just had a, a dear friend uh, up there who had to have a hip replaced and to see the orthopedic surgeon, the family doctor said, hey, yeah, you definitely have a worn out hip. Let's see the surgeon, six month wait. And this is gonna blow your mind. This is just to see the surgeon? Just to see the surgeon. And from that visit to actually getting the hip replaced, you're not gonna believe this, but it was two and a half years. Oh my. Yeah, I mean, it's now some of that was COVID related, but it's, it's not uncommon, sadly, to wait months, sometimes years for elective procedures. Wow, yeah. wow. So, okay, now, what, when did you move to Batesville? So we moved in 95. 95, okay. Now, when you went to Batesville High, had you, I presume, decided before high school that you were going to follow, follow your father's footsteps? Yeah, sometime around, sometime in middle school when we were homeschooled. Um, I mean, Dad just always came home and had some pretty interesting patient stories uh, he liked to talk about, uh, kind of, you know, solving problems, solving a puzzle, and then also had some really good patient uh, relationships and interactions, you know, getting to know people through the years. I just thought that was really interesting. I remember one day he brought home a, uh, actually a cow's heart, uh, I think from one of his patients, mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of dissected it as part of our, you know, kind of homeschool curriculum. And I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, and then I think it was kind of around that time, and I said, yeah, I, I certainly want to go into medicine. And then just kind of all, all went uh, forward from that. That's true. Well, you know, interesting story. Um, I, I was uh, vice president of board at the hospital for five years. Mm-hmm. And at the time when we started out, when I started out, uh, there was not a there was not an American doctor. There, I think we had three Filipinos, uh, Iranian, uh, maybe somebody else. But in order to lure Mike Hansen here, mm-hmm. 
we had to give him office space, guarantee that he'd make 50 grand a year, or we subsidize it. Well, obviously, he never needed that. And we had to do the same thing with Steve Glazer. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, at that time, the hospital was very small. There was no, all, well, you know that. You right. watched it grow. Yeah, I mean, it's grown immensely. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, I had uh, two women on uh, a few weeks ago. They were on last week as far as mm-hmm. Margaret Mary, you know, the past, present, and future. And it's really interesting. So it's, uh, so, okay, so you're both family practice, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when you, John, when you started in Batesville, mm-hmm. Did you have any problem building up a patient? Yeah, so uh, there was a pent-up demand, and we were fortunate. We, you know, we did not um, walk into an existing practice where the doctor retired. It was just basically, you know, from ground zero. Okay. And uh, kind of like the same scenario you were mentioning with Mike Hansen, um, you know, that they uh, said, you know, get rolling, and, and we'll kind of backstop you should things, yeah. you know, go slower than uh, expected, but. We were very, very fortunate and uh, got busy pretty quickly. Okay, and did you start off at the hospital itself? Is that where your office was? Or? No, um, actually, it's called the Conrady Building. It's right near the vet, uh, veterinarian's office oh, okay. on 46 yeah, there. Yeah. And so we were a solo practice, um, so basically just started um, you know, with a blank sheet and started seeing folks independently of the hospital. We were had privilege at the hospital, and we were delivering babies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2000, we moved to where we are now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, Richard, when you came in after your residency, this was your first stop, right? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. What did you think about being in, I mean, you're not in your father's practice, you have a separate practice. Uh, were you apprehensive at all as far as starting from scratch? No, uh, so I, I definitely wanted to come back to Batesville. I mean, I've always wanted to come back and work with my dad. I thought that would be kind of the dream. Yeah. And plus, I love the Batesville community. So it was a natural fit. Um, at the time when I was starting, uh, Dr. Glazer was actually retiring. So my last couple, I think it was my second to last month of residency, I spent a month with Dr. Glazer and got to... You know, just kind of see how he operated because I knew as he was retiring, I'd likely inherit several of his patients, which I have, which has been actually great. And he did, he, he did a great job while he was practicing. I mean, if he managed people the right way, um, he, he kept a, a certain t- type of patient. And, um, yeah, so I wasn't apprehensive at all. I think I fell into kind of the perfect situation. Whenever a doctor retires, you kind of worry that you might disagree with their management style or, or something like that. But in his case, you know, I, we do things very similarly, I would say. Um, and then being able to be in the same building with my dad, um, while we don't have the same patients necessarily, we have our own patient panels. Um, occasionally we see each other's patients. For example, he's not there on Fridays, so sometimes I'll see his patients if they need to get in. I'm not there on Thursdays. Sometimes he sees my patients. 
Um, and then we're able to talk to each other every day about, you know, uh, different cases or whatnot. Usually in the morning, I'll stop by his office and just say, hey, what do you think about this? Or sometimes he'll come over to my office and do the same. So, no, it's been great. The first year, actually, I was uh, commuting from Cincinnati before I moved back to Batesville. And uh, so we'd have lunch together every day and just, you know, talk about things. So, it, yeah, I, not apprehensive. It's been a, a really, really nice transition over the past couple of years. Yeah. What part of Cincinnati did you live in? Um, we lived in a place called Kennedy Heights, which is kind of by Pleasant Ridge over on the east side of Cincinnati. That's where we're from there. Yep, yep. So what, we, western, western side. Yep, so we uh, we moved there for residency. My wife's family is all from over that way. Um, and it was just you know, a 10-minute drive from, from my residence uh, office, and but uh, a little bit too long to commute from here for, for more, longer than a year. Oh, oh yeah, I, I did it for years. Uh, I had business in Cincinnati and coming back and forth. Drive into the sun, drive home in the sun. Exactly. At least it's a reverse commute. You're not really, you don't have too much traffic. You see people go the other direction, yeah, and it's a little yeah. slower. So you have two siblings. What are they doing? Yep. So my brother, he's a year younger. He lives in town, and he's an electrician. Okay. Uh, he actually just lives less than a mile away from me now, which has been great. I'll ride over to his uh, house on my bike occasionally with my, my two-year-old son in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's doing quite well. They just uh, He got married last summer and built and uh, uh, bought a house uh, shortly thereafter. Um, then my sister, she lives in Oldenburg. She's three years younger than me. She's currently nannying um, for a family in Cincinnati, so she, she does the oh, reverse wow. commute now, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, did, she, did they both go? Well, I guess your electrician brother, he went to trade school. Yep. And, and now your sister, is, is she in college or...? Uh, she's been doing a few different things over the past couple of years. Um, she briefly attended uh, Colgate University in New York, um, and then has uh, done a couple of things since. Just okay. kind of bounced around. Okay. So now, uh, John, mm-hmm. you're, when you first came here, did your wife work also, or? So yeah, again, uh, when we start set up the practice, we were separate from the hospital. So she did all the. Um, behind the scenes um, management and okay, you know, the billing and all that stuff. Yeah, bookkeeping, yeah. you got it, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is something, you know, we weren't trained in the medical school. We never really thought of a medical practice as a, in quotes, a business where you actually had to pay debts and, you know, yeah. um, make payroll, that sort of thing. So it was a uh, trial by fire. Yeah. She, she yeah, was right there beside me for many years. Yeah. So uh, um, did you look at other cities besides Batesville? Yeah, no. Um, I did have some people approach me uh, from the states, actually, Minnesota and others, to come for a visit. But uh, once once I came, you know, again, my wife's parents moved here. I came during uh, Apple Fest. It was the uh, fall mm-hmm. of '94, I believe. Just fell in love, you know, with with the town, the, the focus on family and faith, and it was just a good fit yeah. right off the bat. And then Dr. McGovern, uh, we were staying at the Hampton Inn at the time. And uh, I just, again, just fell in love with the place. So I kind of walked over uh, to his office and kind of cold called him and asked the receptionist there if, you know, the town needed any help. And uh, he goes, she said, uh, hang on a second. Within minutes, I was speaking to Dr. McGovern. He goes, yeah, talk to Mr. Amos at the time. He was the CEO of the hospital. So I tooted over there and uh, it was was great. Um, I I knew I wanted to come here pretty quickly. Well, we kind of, what brought us to Batesville, uh, we are f- first six children are eight years apart. Oh my goodness. And the last one's four years younger. So 
our oldest turns 60, and let's see then, Matt is 52, and then Rich is 48. So we were kind of outgrowing our house, and uh, I, I bought 41 acres kind of on a lark mm-hmm. prior to this. And uh, as the kids were little, we decided, well, let's get a big travel trailer. And that was before, then we eventually got a motorhome. Right. But there was a, a safari campground here and Bob Kroll was a teacher at Batesville High School. So this 33-footer, I thought, well, we're not taking this to Florida right away. We're gonna see how I can handle it. Mm-hmm. So we went to Safari and we went to the Sherman House, took the kids to the Sherman, start looking around here. And I thought, maybe, uh, Maybe I can put that 41 acres to use. <laughs> so that's why we wound up building here. But I commuted for a number of years back and mm-hmm. forth to Cincinnati because I, uh, at, and let's see, I, I started in business in 65, and by, I had, I started with one service station by, 76, I had 17 different businesses with 200 people working for me. Were they all automotive? Automotive related, but not not all service stations. Because that's what really got me into medicine, actually, is, you know, seeing folks come into the shop saying to my dad, you know, hey, the car's doing this or that. And just by the history, by, you know, what the what the client was telling him, he could kind of figure out, you know, he diagnosed the issue and then just verify that by checking it on the lift or whatever. And I thought that was just an, a really neat thing. To- no, I, I, well, the old cars I got to, I'm, I was never a mechanic, mm-hmm. no, a money man. And yeah, gotcha, that was it, gotcha. So. But, uh, it, I mean, I think Batesville... Has got so much to offer because oh, I agree. the proximity to Cincinnati and Indianapolis. I mean, it, it's hard to beat. Yeah. And uh, and we're at the age where uh, eh, we we don't go to Cincinnati or Indy. I mean, we've got two live up in Indy. They come down here to use a swimming pool and mm-hmm. drink my beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and and we have. Uh, one in Harrison and let's see, uh, one in Indian Springs. That's up by, that's uh, uh, outside of Tri County, and one in Kenwood, mm-hmm. and then two right next to us. And, so, uh, and and you know, there's there, there's not much you have to leave town for if you yeah. don't want to. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously, you, you raise more children than than us, but uh, I. My wife and I are just absolutely you know, pleased with how things worked out with the school system and the athletics and just the community in general was um, top notch. Well, you get to know everybody. Uh, and that's pros and cons, right? Because yeah. um, I, I enjoy the personal relationships, but in some ways, like, you are a bit of an aquarium, right? So if, if you've got some pretty bad habits or a track record, people know, right? So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you never ever in Batesville want to say anything bad about anybody because there's probably some kind of relation, you know. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice. Our kids, they've 
got lifelong friends mm-hmm. from being here, and uh, it, it's just a good good place to bring up children. Uh, decent restaurants, and once in a while we'll go to uh, place in uh, place in Harrison Market Street Grill, which is a oh, real, that's real nice good. restaurant, and the Heist is in Harrison too, which is a, a yeah. great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and well, it's you know that I, I guess. A lot of people eventually that leave Batesville for grass on the, you know, think grass is greener on the other side. Yeah. They work their way back here sooner or later, I think. And uh, you think you're going to be a lifer here, Richie? Oh, yeah. We just built a house here six months ago, and I certainly don't intend on leaving. Yeah. Where'd you build it? Uh, we just were in Hillendale. Hillendale, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we came back here, the same idea to raise a family. Um, so we just, our two and a half year old, we're, when we were in Cincinnati, you know, the idea of where we're living, you know, we're going to send them to school. Either, you know, you go to the public schools there, which don't necessarily have the best reputation, or you, you know, pay an arm and a leg to send them to a private school. Oh. And you can get just as good of education here, if not better. Yeah. You know the community, so it's kind of a no-brainer coming back. And, yeah, we certainly don't intend on leaving. Well, which I think what's really good, uh, you know, the academy at Oldenburg is smaller, and 98% are college prep mm-hmm. kids. They go on to college. Uh, Batesville's got about a 70-30 ratio, which is I think is really good in this well, yeah, day and age. I think Batesville's doing well, too, to embrace the fact that a lot of folks need to be prepped for trades, right? And, and my dad's a mechanic. We have a son who's an electrician. And, you know, there's such a huge shortage in the trades. Oh. And for the longest time, completely undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, and, and I, I had a little incident with the pool and with this, all this heat going on, uh, I called Hurt Nelco. And, and I've done a lot of business with him. They said, this was on a Tuesday. I said maybe next week, because mm. I mean the air conditioners were breaking down and everything. But then I called a, a fellow named Andy Anniking. The first time I ever used him, I didn't know if he did plumbing, but I knew he was an electrician. And uh, first time I used him, I said, "Hey Andy, uh, when you were in high school, didn't you work the counter at Hurt Nelco?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I remembered him from back in the 70s when we moved here. So uh, he came out that afternoon and fixed it. And that I mean, service right there. Yeah, yeah so it's, uh, but again, he was busy. And I, I said, if you can get to it by the weekend, because we don't know how many kids will show up. Right, and, right. And uh, uh, Johnny on the spot, so. Uh, what what is uh, you have a favorite restaurant or anything in Batesville? Oh golly, I'll pass uh, that to you. Pearl Richie. Street Pub's probably the best. I think. Well, I guess that's Oldenburg. Yeah, but, um, close enough. Hmm. I like Earl's. Earl's is great. Earl's yeah. is close by, and uh, Toro's for Mexicans. My wife Susie loves Mexican. So, oh, I do yeah. too. Yeah. It says so. my well, although. Uh, my wife doesn't eat much, and her taste buds aren't mm-hmm. good from the chemo. But, oh, gotcha. Uh, you know, the, I love Pearl Street Pub, but if you go there on a Saturday, she's using a walker. 
I and she, with macular degeneration, I might have to park, you know, maybe 100 yards away or so. And I, so we don't go, once in a while we'll go during the week. And uh, uh, it was the easiest place for us. I, and I, we like girdles, mm -hmm. but I'd like to either have a glass of bourbon before I eat or a beer. Mm -hmm. And I used to drink a lot of wine, but um, not anymore. Too too sweet, too, you know, just lost my taste for it. Bourbon's better anyway. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, and it's all good, but some is really good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Could not agree more. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I like ice and pizza, classic pizza and, uh, Randy's Roadhouse, I think they have the best wings that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. But not in a while. I have the wings yeah. from there. Eisen's Pizza's great, though. Yeah, Eisen is great. And he's a good community guy. Yeah. Does an awful lot for community. And you got to remember the fried chicken trail. Have you heard about that in the New York Times back in the day? Um, and we were kind of right in the center of it with two in Oldenburg you've got uh, you know uh, Wagoners and uh, of course Brajos and then Enochsburg as uh, a good spot so yeah. lots of choices well, we usually go to the Bra House in fact I gotta have Jeff Bata any place that he manages does mm -hmm. real well and uh, uh, he was supposed to be on a few weeks ago and he said uh, he called me about a half hour before he said my bartender just went uh, he mm. was supposed to be off that afternoon. He said, my bartender just went home sick. Guess what? You know, mm -hmm. so. He's it. But uh, the Wagners, uh, we used to go to Wagners a lot, but uh, it's it's a little too peppery for my wife. Now, I like hot. I, I have habanero on eggs. and. Oh, know. my goodness. You like the spicy stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got this theory that. Nothing will want to live in my stomach. <laughs> Probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> Bourbon and spicy stuff, you should be fine. <laughs> I, I know that. <laughs> Probably not true, <laughs> but I tell my wife that's why. Yeah. That's why he's that hey, it's working well so far. Why, why change, right? <laughs> so, uh, okay. For now, when you take, I guess you cover each other when you take vacations. There's no such thing as a family vacation anymore. Well, well, this year was different. Oh, Richie, talk, yeah. Yeah. So we did go to Canada together uh, this summer, which was great. Well, how'd you pull that off? So there's uh, six physicians that, that work in our office, um, and so we kind of have a, a rotating call. And, uh, yeah, the week we were gone, I'm sure they saw a lot of our patients. But, uh, um, yeah, it was a great mm. trip. So you went fishing? So, oh, yeah, fishing. we have a, a cabin off the grid in Ontario. Oh, okay. Again, that's where I grew up, and kind of more central, we... we uh, for our 20th anniversary, kind of got some local folks and went up there and just basically it's a wooden tent. It's off the grid. There's no running water. There's no electricity. Um, and so, yeah, it's fishing and hunting and, and stuff like that. So uh, what were you fishing for? A lot of pike, bass, lot of pike. Um, you know, largemouth, smallmouth. Um, the walleye? And the walleye. Walleye. No. Yeah. Walleye great. Yeah, we, we musky nearby, but not actually on our lake. There's a... There's a river very close to her like that as musky, but we've not caught musky yet there. But we that's did, on our We list. did catch a lot this year, though. We were up there for 10 days. I think we had a fish fry every single day except for one when yeah. we were kind of sick of eating fish. <laughs> um, but, uh, we, yeah, we, we used to just like to, to fry up the, the bass because it's easy to get the fillets off. 
We, we always catch a bunch of pike, but this is the first year we figured out how to actually fillet them properly. You can get five nice fillets off of a pike. Um, really? Oh yeah. Um, and so like one large pike, I mean, you're talking probably just as much meat as several bass. Um, so yeah, we ended up with a, quite a bit of meat. Well, my my favorite white fish is halibut. Oh, you can't then, beat that like, from Alaska or something. Then it goes to grouper, then redfish. And uh, we've got, if you ever want to fish, I, I can't get people to come out here. I've got a pond full of fish. And uh, we've got cat, bass, red ear, bluegill, and i got a bunch of carp, too, to keep the mm -hmm. leaves off. But. Well, if you ever want to try pike, I mean, Rich has got a great recipe, and I think he might convert you from halibut to pike. I don't know if you've ever had really? it. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Pike's pretty good. It's hard to beat the walleye, though. I think it goes walleye, pike, and bass. Well, well, I always like walleye. And uh, grouper and redfish is real big in New Orleans. I like, mm -hmm. like redfish. They're, they're both bottom yeah. feeders. But, uh, yeah, but uh, halibut is great, especially in Alaska. I agree. Yeah. Well, we uh, actually started a few months ago. We get, Every other month, we get a box of... Uh, Alaskan fish mm -hmm. that is, I think it's called Wild Alaska Company. And the first box I think I had, uh, see, I had sockeyes, salmon, um, let's see, halibut, cod, and for the first order they threw in, uh, they threw in 20, that's my phone, 20 ounces of. Uh, of Alaskan scallops, and um, uh, they must fresh pack them right away and freeze them because, uh, boy, they're really good and perfect size, eight ounces. And, Great. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and my wife makes a salmon with bourbon. Yes. Everything's better with bourbon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of brown sugar. Oh. <laughs> it's just, you mm -hmm. know, it's just really, really good. But is pike the one that doesn't that have a lot of iron in it or something? Mm -hmm. uh, the main thing with pike is the Y-bones. The skeleton's a bit difficult to, to navigate around to get the proper fillets. But Richie and his friend uh, who was up really? there were able to figure that out. Yep. But it is a, a good white fish. The pike, the pike's... Yep. A lot bigger than a halibut. Oh, it, yeah, the commonly you know four feet or longer. Yeah. Oh, I don't know they're yeah. that big. Yeah. yeah, and they have a lot of teeth in them. Yeah, a lot of sharp teeth. Well, that's so. And you also hunt when you go. Yep, we um, we're fortunate. It's, it's kind of uh, an unusual spot in that you know we have moose in our backyard and deer and lots of uh, birds, grouse, ducks, um, and uh, there's black bear. So there's lots to choose from, for sure. Well, you don't eat bear, then, do you? I'm, I'm planning on it this fall, honestly. Really? Yeah, I want to render the bear fat, and I want to, yeah, definitely. Um, what we did last year, um, my wife got her first big buck, and we actually were able to bring it back across the border, basically, you know, just intact, of course, field dressed. And we have a friend who's a butcher here, and we just kind of, you know, took care of business in, uh, around Sunman. And I'd love to do the same thing with a bear. That would be absolutely wonderful. Wow. Yeah, it depends on what a bear eats, right? I mean, if, if you have a bear that's been eating blueberries all summer, uh, that's a whole different experience than, you know, one that's been too close to the dump or something. But. Well, you know, uh, is there 
are you allowed to hunt bear? Do you have to get a license to hunt bear? Oh yeah, everything's very regulated, of course. You need deer tags, and there's bear tags. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't think I'd want to hunt a grizzly. Well, they're more west. Well, we are. We don't have any grizzlies, so we don't have to worry about that. Or, or yeah. one of those Kodiaks had one of them fit in a tub. I right, right. Think. No, those are not in our neighborhood, so we're, we're good that way. So when you when you are fishing, do you carry a handgun in case a bear gets startled? Or we don't. Now, handguns, you know, in Canada are no-no, unless you're a policeman, but... Um, you have well, to have, yeah, that is recent. That yeah, I you can't to, imagine that. Yeah, the, the minimum barrel length is 18 and a half inches, so Ruger makes some really good rifles that are that. Uh, but as far as like shorter like firearms, you, you did ban. So, I mean, we have bears, but they're very timid, so we don't, you know, usually carry protection. We have, of course, guns on the property um, for hunting or whatever, yeah. but, but not when we're fishing. Yeah, I wonder how long that handgun ban's going to stay with. Uh, and the current the current government there, I think, as long as that mentality, probably, probably more stuff will get banned. <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, I mean, what happened to people that own the handguns? They didn't confiscate them, did they? Not that I'm aware of. But, yeah. Because um, you know, I just I just can't imagine it. That's just, uh, and and you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people that when they are fishing in Alaska, a buddy of mine lived up there for a oh, few years. Oh, you have grizzlies years. to worry about, don't you? What? You've got grizzlies to worry about when you're fishing up there. Oh, well, I never won. But this <laughs> buddy of mine, yeah. he ca- he carried a Magnum, 44 Magnum, mm-hmm. and he said that the guide told him you put it on a shoulder holster because too many things can happen on your hip that you might lose it. So, uh, but he ran into grizzlies, well, he might brand as a grizzly, but he never aggressive towards him. So and he had to learn how to fly, and he got his own plane up there and everything while I was there. But uh, uh, it must be, you know, beautiful country. I mean, just uh, probably outstanding. But on your when you hunt, mm-hmm. what kind of a rifle are you using? Say if, say if you go bear hunt, what are you going to use? Yeah, so I have the forty four Magnum uh, of a Ruger, um, and, and that, that pro- I have not shot a bear yet, but that's probably what I would use. I also have a thirty out six. Well, do you have a three oh eight? Nope. The two no. most common rounds though in Ontario are the three oh eight and the thirty out six yeah. for big game. Yeah, well, well you know the problem with the thirty outs, you know, do it you kicks know like why? A mule. You know why they switched in the service from a. 30 odd six to a 308. They're, they're both 30 caliber. Yeah, probably the kick, right? No. The 30 odd six at 200 yards drops about three and a half inches. Longer than that, it's a bigger drop. Uh, your 308 is really pretty flat. Uh, actually, depending on the ammo, it might rise an inch and a half. But most of the time, it's flat at 200 yards. And the reason, main reason the Army switched, the cartridge is smaller and weighs less. And during the war, it's easier to ship. That makes more, sense. More ammo, 308 yeah. than 30-odd-6. Yeah. I've got a couple 30-odd-6, but uh, 308s... See, where we hunt, our bush is so thick, we wouldn't get a 200-yard shot. I mean, you're, oh, yeah, you're oh, inside I mean, 100, yeah. yeah. Well, at a hundred thirty odd six, not going to drop on you. That's mm-hmm. good. That's it's good. It's uh, 
Uh, but there, and and then you know for the further distance, you got the 6.5 cream bore, which is really a light shell, and that hardly drops at 400 yards. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. My wife is a 243. It's a pretty flat shooter okay. and a good long range. Yeah, know. yeah. But what do you shoot? I don't know a whole lot about guns, to be honest. Uh, a little bit, but I've never been seriously hunting. I like to go out with some, some buddies ago. I like to uh, clean the deer. Uh, I'll get into it one of these days. Yeah, okay. So well, you, start, you started with squirrel hunting. Oh, yeah, I do like squirrel. <laughs> that's, a whole, that's a whole different story. <laughs> you, you eat the squirrel? Oh, yeah. Squirrel? Yep. Uh, we, uh, so at our old place in Cincinnati, in our backyard, we like to plant these gardens. And uh, one day, when we had a bunch of tomatoes that just got ravaged. And I was like, I have enough of these squirrels. We got to get rid of them. So I went to Dick's and I got a, an, an air rifle. And uh, yeah, I think we got like 30 squirrels in the course of a couple weeks. And uh, we skinned them and cleaned them. And then we had a, a squirrel BQ. So we made uh, hot squirrel wings, uh, squirrel fajitas. Um, and one other way, I can't remember. None of, them were, not, none of them were very good. We tried three different recipes, and we're like, oh, this isn't great. And then so uh, we did it again a few months later. This time we made a hot squirrel stew, which was great. So the, the, the slower and longer you cook squirrel, it becomes a bit more tender. Well, you know, it's like I love venison, but I won't shoot Bambi. <laughs> so they, they come up from our woods. And one night, my wife was in the kitchen. I had to bring her in. There was four of them. Two of them were on the front porch. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to ring the doorbell. <laughs> I mean, it's just, they, they just come all the time. And my son used to deer hunt. And they'd be in his front yard the day the deer season started. He never saw another one. Yeah. And they've got all these woods in the back and everything. Go back there, he had a little tree stand, all that, and he said, I'm not going to do it. Mm. So, and and uh, I've never tried squirrel. I've tried wild rabbit, but boy, the domestic rabbit's a lot better. Yeah. Um tried some interesting things so yeah my, my neighbor at our old place he's actually a lawyer but he's the one that they like likes to go out and hunt all the time and we lived in the city limits we had like clean deer in his garage and clean the squirrel and all this stuff but he likes to try any type of wild game um i think he has a raccoon and a groundhog from our backyard in his freezer right now he'll, he'll literally eat anything <laughs> Groundhog. Groundhog. Yeah, he has all these recipes. Yeah, one of them is for groundhog. I got. I got to tell you. We tried some rattlesnake recently. Uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Years ago in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. I was interviewing a guy for a sales job at my office. So, young guy, just out of college, and uh, talking, and secretary comes in and said. Uh, your wife's on the phone. She said, it's really important. <laughs> okay. So I said, excuse me. So pick up the phone. Says, the Sniffles, which was our little dog that we had, and the kids are outside, and there's a groundhog that's got, and I don't know what to do. So I said, well, Get the 357 Magnum and shoot the son of a bitch. I said, so I'll I talk do to it. you later. Hung up the phone. This guy's sitting there and says, 
I don't want to work for you. <laughs> and he almost ran out the door. He thought you were talking about a person. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm thinking, what's, I, I, I said, what's, what's wrong with that guy? He said, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> I said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So, so, you know, it's, uh, uh, but I hope Canada, there we had at our motorcycle shop in Greensburg, mm -hmm. there was a bunch of Canadians came down and uh, they were comparing prices and everything was, at that time, mm -hmm. everything was cheaper here than in Canada. I don't know how it is now. It's probably but, the same, I suspect. Yeah. But they, boy, they'd love to go out and eat here. They said, the, the food is so cheap in a restaurant here and it's so good. Uh, and then they, uh, the one guy had a friend, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was from college, and he said, yeah, and that's why I asked about the weight, right. he, he said, you know, a friend of mine needed a knee replacement and he got it in six weeks. And I said, well, that was a long time ago, because mm -hmm. you, you got it, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I had, uh, uh, I, I I hit a fellow in Cincinnati did mine. I hit a four and a half month wait mm. to get to him, and mm -hmm. he was doing. He did nine a day, two days a week at Christ Hospital. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, oh, it's not just that, but like MRIs. I mean, when I tell my friends up north, um, you know, you can get an MRI in 24, 48 hours. Oh, I mean, yeah. their eyes just like pop out of their heads. Are you kidding me? You know, they have to have weeks and weeks if, they, if they're permitted to have an MRI. Sometimes they'll only be allowed to have a CT. What about like it's like when I hit a, I hit a blood clot. Now, if a guy has a blood clot or a wound, can they get in right away? Well, you'd have to go through the emergency room probably. But oh, Through yeah. the emergency yeah. room only? Pro okay. Probably, yeah. Okay. I mean, I haven't really, apart from residency, I haven't really practiced there. Just, you know, just hearing from, yeah. you know, the friends yeah. up there still. Well, isn't England kind of the same way as Canada? I think it's similar, but I believe it's really a truly a two-tier system in that there's the government-run health care in England as well as a private pay uh, health care system, whereas in Canada is strictly, uh, to my knowledge, still, um, you know, government health care. It's all government health care, so they control the wages, too, for doctors they, and they, nurses? They do. They do. Mm -hmm. Really? That, I mean, that's sad. Yeah, it's not working the greatest, sadly, yeah. Uh, I mean, how did, they, how did they keep doctors and nurses staying there? They're actually having a huge critical, uh, critical shortage right now. Um, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, and so I think they're they're importing a lot of, of doctors from overseas. I, su I suspect, yeah. and, and they they really rely heavily on you know nurse practitioners. Nothing against nurse practitioners, but you know just to fill the void yeah. of, of medical personnel. Well, well, do you do you think that? Um, and I've heard this some of the medical schools outside the U.S. Um, mainly like uh, I think. Something like Dominican Republic or something like that, or are they inferior to U.S. schools? Well, I can't speak for the yeah. U.S. schools. Apart from Marion, Marion's great, of course, but um, I would, 
I would think the American schools would be superior, but that, that's yeah. just a hunch. I've, you know? I've yeah. heard that, and I didn't know if uh, you heard anything like that. Um, I don't know a whole lot about you know, schools outside of the States, to be honest. Um, I know to practice here, most of them end up doing some sort of residency here. Mm-hmm. and then. But I think if you go to medical school outside of the States, I think getting a residency spot here is much more challenging. Um, so, yeah, I'm not totally sure. So, with, uh, and let's see, you're... When you intern in a hospital, what is it? Two years an intern and one year residency, or is it back? Am I backwards on that? No, it really depends on you know what you're specializing in. Like everything's especially now the the era of a GP, where you just do basically your your four years of medical school, one year of internship, and then you're you practice. That's like history. So you do your four years of medical school, then you do. Here it's three years of residence for family practice, and then if you want to go into internal medicine, it's a bit longer, or surgery is even much longer than that. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So, if if you're going to be a surgeon, you you have uh, what maybe seven years from the time you. Yeah, it, d- it depends what what type yeah, of like surgery neurosurgery or cardiac surgery would be longer than. Yeah. Sure, like a lot, yeah, you do general surgery, then you do like a, a fellowship in, in one of those things. Yeah, it, it, another funny story. I, I I bought a Toyota, a couple, maybe more than a couple, uh, from this uh, fellow in Cincinnati. Really a nice guy. He's a re, he's a retired neurosurgeon. No kidding. He has got property all over Cincinnati. But he loves to sell cars. <laughs> That's interesting. And, and he's, I mean, he retired at a young age. He's a lot younger than me. and I don't even think he's 70 yet, but uh, he just got tired of it. And I don't know, if, you know where the uh, uh, Walnut Street Variety Store is? And you know where Ison's big variety shop next to him? This is a neat store. Got, hmm. got stuff from the 40s if you want it and, and modern. Oh yeah, I think, I think my wife's been there. Yeah, well, the one of the owners, uh, Joel, I hit him on, uh, and he's a retired doctor. Hmm. And he started out, he was a nurse, and uh, I think he was in Vietnam, and came out, went to medical school, became a doctor, retired, and doing this and it's uh, it's a really I, I mean you, anything you can think of they got board games that for every age I mean it's from two to a hundred I guess and uh, uh, and they also sell that CB whatever it is no, like, CBD I, oil yeah yeah it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> Nancy's tried that <laughs> she she uh, uh, one of our uh, daughters, uh, she had, she has terrible back pains and everything. Nancy has too. Anyway, uh, she has these little gummies, mm-hmm. and she said, "Now, just take a half of them." And she said, "Because if you take more than a half, you'll be goofy." And I said, "Err." <laughs> and but anyway, she took a quarter of one. One time, that was it. She was just, I mean, she was just out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, she just didn't, uh, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine taking stuff like that, but I guess if you're 
terminally ill or something, it, it beats a blank, yeah. I would think. But so, okay. So, have you been on vacation this year yet? Yeah, so we just, we just got back from from Canada. Oh, that was this year. Yeah, that okay. was about a month ago. So, are you done vacationing for the year? Or you got some more time. You're gonna take off. Uh, you're gonna go back up to Canada a couple more times, I think. Yeah. Well, so we're gonna uh, do a week in October for duck season, um, and get firewood ready um, for the you know deer season, which is in November. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've had duck, but I always like duck. It was, oh, that's good. My wife has an incredible recipe. And really big, big fans. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how about... Oh, actually, I'm going back up to the cabin, too, now that I think about it. Yeah, October. Uh, yeah, October. Uh, for well, a lo- long weekend, I'm going to take off a Friday. My brother and I and a friend are going to go up. We're going to leave Wednesday night after work, go up there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday. How long is it drive? A little bit too long, but, wor- <laughs> but worth it. Uh, four, 14 hours. Well... I would say 12 hours of it. If it, it totally smooth sailing with the, with the border and stuff. But it's yeah, not, realistically, it's, it's, it's 14. 14 yeah. Well, years ago, I took my oldest son and went with a group. Everybody worked for Hill and Brand, Hill Rom. And we went to Ely, Ely, or Ely, Ely, Minnesota, Ely, Minnesota, right on Canadian border. It's got canoes. No one brought anything because we're getting fish all the time up there fishing trip. Mm-hmm. Was this the Boundary Waters? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and neat northern lights and all that, but there were I think fifteen of us, adults and kids. Four fish were caught. Oh jeez, it's a good weight like, loss program. Like four days. On our way going back, the sun came out. There's guys in canoe, they were double hooking fish without bait. Oh man. But we did we did everything. And fortunately, we brought a lot of dried food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of them did. <laughs> so they were uh, we were sharing our food. I, I think a few of the big boys lost some weight <laughs> when we were up there. <laughs> and uh, uh, and then uh, coming back we stopped at a restaurant, and here it had all Ron Weber furniture in there. At, at this mm. restaurant, mm-hmm. so probably Viking Oak or something. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. it's all well, Viking Oak. Yeah, that was the that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. I guess now it's still a big thing selling it used. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, anyway, we're at fifty minutes, and we talked about. Uh, uh, it, it, one thing I wanted to ask, is there still a lot of continuing education that you have to do? Oh, gosh, yes, yeah. There, there, I mean, it's yearly, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. almost daily. <laughs> yeah, is that's true. Oh, we really? have the advent of the Internet. Oh, and yeah, that, uh, we, we look yeah. up stuff daily, read new things daily, listen to different podcasts or um, read medical journals. But, yeah, every year we have to do, like, continuing medical education and get, get certain credits for it for doing some courses. Um, and you just did one on uh, dementia, and yeah. I just did one on other neurologic conditions through Harvard, which was great. Um but yeah, I mean, medicine's, a, you, you know, you finish medical school, you finish residency, and you maybe know, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but there's a whole lot more to learn, that's for sure. So we're, we're learning new stuff every day. Well, do you think they're ever going to have, uh, I know they can slow Alzheimer's down. Do you mm-hmm. think they're ever going to be able to cure it? It's really fascinating. Um, this uh, CME that I did, yes, I, I think, well, 
so whether it be Alzheimer's or there's other forms of dementia, right? right? They tend to all be centered around the accumulation of protein, which makes a plaque on the brain, almost like a rust, if you will. And that rusting process then causes the tangles, the wires, if you will, get crisscrossed and it affects the memory or speech or whatever. Well, they're devising tests. Um, like right now, you can only test basically the brain tissue for those proteins. Now you can do spinal fluid, like when you, know, you take some fluid from around the spinal cord and look for those proteins. But soon, and it's this experimental now, that you can do actually a blood test. And if you have one of these proteins in a very high level, and you're showing signs of um, early memory loss, let's say not full-on dementia, then um, they're working on, in fact, Lily has the, the lead here, where they're working on this uh, infusion therapy that basically kind of scrubs the protein plaques away from the brain wow. and kind of restores it, if you will. Um, but that's a, probably a few years down the road. But uh, yeah, uh, there's a, really a lot of research and, and forward progress in, in cognitive care. Um, and what, what they're hoping to do, if you can catch it early enough, is actually prevent the formation of the, you know, the full-on irreversible memory loss. And if you do have, you know, farther along uh, Alzheimer's or other dementia, to kind of arrest it, if you will. Kind of like you would cancer, right? If you mm -hmm. catch cancer early enough, you can cure it. If you catch it later on, of course, you can maybe stun it and cause it to hibernate. You kind of control it, but you can't really cure it. So it's that same mindset that they're applying to dementia. Really? Mm -hmm. How long has that been going on? Because, I mean, uh, one of my best friends... He had dementia for about seven years, and uh, he finally passed away. But uh, I, I, I could tell it right away because, you know, this guy built his own house, could do mm -hmm. anything. And uh, he, he told me, he said, you know what? He said, I hit battery out my tractor on trickle charge. He said, I sat for an hour and a half, and I still couldn't figure out how to put it back in the tractor. And I said, whoa. Yeah. And, and, but they did too. Yeah, they that's, that's a, a very significant change from baseline. Yeah, sometimes it's speech. You know, sometimes it's uh, just behaviors that are yeah. a bit peculiar. Well, the thing changes. is, with yeah. most people in my age group, including me, I, I'll forget names. Mm -hmm. But I've dealt with so many people, and uh, but just don't I, forget your wife's name. I'm sorry? Just don't forget your wife's name. <laughs> no, I don't think so. After 61 years, I doubt it. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I think uh, someone told me as long as you can continue doing things like whether it be puzzles, read, your comprehension and everything, mm -hmm. that you're going to have a certain amount of memory loss that goes with aging, is that true? Or? Yeah, so the memory loss is a, is a you know, kind of process of aging, the neural connections, just like with muscle tissue, right? Like you're not as strong as you once were, you can't do the things you once were, the, the connections to the brain are the same way. So you can do things to fortify these connections, any type of new learning activity, heck, doing this this podcast, you, you know, you learn a new task, you go on YouTube, you figure out how to get this stuff. Those are, again, forming new connections in the brain. I also um, have an electric guitar in there I'm thinking about. That's fantastic, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, so a, a, any type of cognitive things that you can continue to do, problem solving, puzzles, you know, wh whatever it is, there's not been, there's not necessarily been shown to be one study that where one type of activity is better than others, but essentially anything that promotes new types of learning. Um, you can think of your brain as a muscle. Well, didn't they, years ago, now I'm talking probably back in 
from the 40s on up into mm -hmm. the 70s, did they call that hardening of the arteries? So, yes, uh, one of the leading causes of memory loss or dementia is you know poor blood supply to the to the brain, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, if the blood vessels get really thick and and, and uh, brittle, if you will, then the, the blood flow to the tiniest vessels that supply the the outer part of the brain, you know, is impaired, and so that hardening, if you will, of the arteries can can cause memory loss for sure. Okay, and, and because I never heard of the term Alzheimer mm -hmm. or dementia when I was younger. I, mm -hmm. And uh, did, they, did they always say dementia or? I think they used senility a lot, right? That's, yeah. yeah, senility was yeah. the big thing. Um, yeah, and then again, in the whole dementia thing, it's, you know, Alzheimer's is number one, vascular dementia, and there's a few others in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think in the past it was all senility, you know. Yeah. Which is not normal. That's not a normal aging process. As Richie said, there's a normal, you know, forgetfulness that happens as we get older that increases, yeah. but it shouldn't affect your day-to-day -day functioning. You know, I, I've said this on another podcast, but this uh, I was in Kroger, mm -hmm. and leaving Kroger, this guy kept looking over at me, and it's, I thought, well, the face is familiar, but boy, it's probably been years, and being in business mm -hmm. and selling a lot of product, uh, you met a lot of people. So anyway, he says, uh, Larry, you don't remember me, do you? I said, face is familiar. He said, Eric? I said, Eric Menner. Yeah, I said, how's your brother uh, Ron and how's brother Keith? And we're talking along. He says, you know, I know. He said, I'm getting old too. He said, I that memory's a problem. I said, yeah, I know, Eric. I said, but you know one thing I remember? He said, what's that? I said that in April 1981, you bought a Kawasaki 650 CSR from me. <laughs> his eyeballs about popped out of his head. And, and then he said, I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, once in a while you get mm -hmm. a flashback. Oh, like sure. I have no idea where it comes from. Sure. It just... And, so, you know, and I probably haven't seen the guy since um, maybe 1988, mm -hmm. 89, somewhere back in there, because he moved away for a while. So, anyway, well, we're approaching an hour. Uh, any words of wisdom for anyone or uh, any advice to? get people to go to, go to medical schools because we don't have this doctor shortage that we have now? Particular advice? Um, I mean, if you're interested in it, it's a great career path. Um, I, I think going back to what we talked about earlier, uh, just words of advice, you know, find something you're interested in doing. You don't have to follow like some sort of um, road that's you know, set out before you. You don't have to, you know, go to a four-year university. There's all sorts of things. Trade schools are great. I think, you know, don't, don't have someone tell you what you want to do. Do, do whatever you want to do yeah. and pursue that. Yeah, I think one thing that would benefit the youth is it's to sample different things. I just, I find that a lot of um, high schoolers um, just don't, you know, apart from going to school and going to play video games, they just don't have the outdoor experience, you know. Yeah. Um, how to use a chainsaw, how to, how to fish, how to clean the squirrel or what, you know what I mean? Just, just stuff like that. And uh, sadly, the trades are completely underrepresented. But yeah. I think, especially in high school, um, the more experiences they have, mentoring, um, the, the hospital's really great if they have an interest in healthcare, you know, to, to um, you know, shadow, you know, yes, a, a healthcare worker of some sort. 
Um, and same thing in the trades. You mentioned the fellow at the, I think, Hurt and Alco or something. He was at yeah. the counter. He probably did a high school. and said, hey, I kind of like this trade. I'm going to you know, grow up in it. So um, I just wish there were more opportunities or more interest in the trades, especially in the summer jobs or mentoring. Uh, yeah. That would be great. Well, I, this is just my opinion. Now, when, when my wife and I got married, they're all our friends. Mm -hmm. When she was, I think, uh, she's an RN. Mm -hmm. I think it's seven months when she was seven months pregnant. That was it. So it was a one-income family. Today, you got two income families, and the ones that are doing well, they'll give their kid a credit card. They're buying, you know, nine-dollar Starbucks coffee mm. and stuff like that. If they don't want to work, they don't have to work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, the, and it's not all of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, but uh, I think that's the worst yeah. thing you can do for I tell kid. folks all the time, you know, we're designed to wear out, not rust out. And, and so, you, I mean, work is so, in, you know, so important in that process to stay active yeah. and engaged. Well, and not, not only that, you know, the, uh, to, to have common sense, you have to have real world experience. Yep. And young people don't have that. The earlier they start working mm -hmm. in the real world, their practical judgment it w becomes better with age. We develop the street smarts, right? Because you're interacting yes. with people, and you can tell the good apples from the bad apples, and, and that yeah. sort of thing. And sure. I, uh, I mean, I, three of my girls were in college. At the, the oldest are three mm -hmm. girls. They were in uh, two were in IU, and one was at Marion, and. They all came home one summer and said, uh, said, you got a job? And our oldest, Julie, said, yeah, I've got, got a job mm -hmm. on that. Well, the other two said, uh, well, not yet. We're, we're thinking about it. I said, I'll tell you what. You get the oldest, rattiest clothes that you can find, and you report to me 9 o'clock tomorrow morning up at the motorcycle shop. So what? I said, just do it. <laughs> so they came up there. Said, what now? I said, you're painting the outside of the building and you're painting the inside of the building. After that, they never. They always had a job. <laughs> and they came home some vacation. Yeah. Never had to ask them again. Right, right. They, they didn't want to work for their crazy father. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the best thing you could have done for them. Yeah. Well, they all have good work ethics. And their kids all have good. We've got 18 grandkids. They have all good worth it. Mm -hmm. So that's great. But anyway, we're a little over an hour. So I want to thank both of you for being here. It's been fun. Thanks so and, much for having us. Okay, yes, thank and I, you. We're going to close this out with a national anthem. I want to thank everybody for listening. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. And I'll talk to you on the next podcast.